science and making us sung. Rob a cushion, tap they did drum. I ain't DOC, but that's the formula. Cartier's cut to cover the cornea. Pineapple, cush, that's aroma. Her with vegetables like cornucopia. With fruit like the garden eating. The eyes are eating. Especially when your boy is speaking. When I'm thinking, I ain't inking. But somehow, some way the words sinking. That's fruit for thought. I spit fire when the thoughts spark. Ghost writer for high if you need support. I got lies so dope, you don't need to snort. Welcome back to ES3N, the Essential Sports Network, hosted by three essential workers. I am your host, Chris Leopold. With me, as always, are my partners in crime, Markelio Atkins and Richard Dubbears Dubnell. Back in the house, we're going to hit you up today with what we're calling our Hit It and Stick It. We're trying to break it down into shorter, more compact episodes where we touch on those day-to-day sports topics that you out there in TV land want to hear about, or I should say in podcast land want to hear about. Of course, we'll keep coming to you with our full-length episodes that are generally 45 minutes to an hour long, covering your favorite topics from baseball, basketball, whatnot. It depends on what sport is going on at this time. But we want to talk about current events. We want to talk about current sports that maybe do not get the full Monty in our episodes here. Uh, You know that we're all kind of fight fans here. If we don't know the sport, we at least enjoy it. Got to talk about what happened in UFC this week. Got to talk about it, right? So, uh, the great 155 Khabib man comes in, wreaks havoc without his father, as we all know, recently lost his father to COVID-19. It was a big thing for him. His father's been in all in the corner for all of his fights, a big part of his life, very family-oriented guy, loss of his father, comes in and just wrecks it, dude, puts on a show, just put out a show on that fight, and ended it up 155, wrecks it up. And then retires. Yeah. Retires. I mean, at, at the height. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you, you always, uh, as a sports fan, um, you know, so we, you always have that debate of, you know, did somebody go too long? Did they retire too early? You know, when we talk about the game of football, you know, we talk about Barry Sanders, who kind of cut his career a little short. You know, people talk about Brett Favre, who tried to prolong his career. Did he play too long? you always want to be able to go out on your terms. And I'm going to use Peyton Manning as the example, who won the Super Bowl, then was able to ride off into the sunset, call it quits, and walk away. Uh, That's kind of what we got here. To be able to leave on his terms, probably not the terms he necessarily wanted uh, with the passing of his father. If his father was still uh, alive and well, would he still be fighting? I I would presume so. We can't say otherwise. Um... But to be able to go out, you know, he, he put all of this effort into it, all of this extra motivation, all of this extra energy due to the loss of his father um, as, as he was his trainer. And just to be able to win that title, go out on top and then say, you know what, without him, it's not the same. This was something that brought us closer together as father, son. I am now going to walk away. Uh, not many athletes get that opportunity. Uh, Marquilio, go ahead. I mean, exactly, man. That's a perfect segue of essentially what I was going to uh, offer. Um, some things are just transcend sports and much bigger than sports. And, um, you know, his family, he made a promise to his mom and, um, that, that that supersedes everything. He 
he's already gold status, um, 29 victories, you know, no defeats. Uh, what does he have to prove? He would what, get to 30, but, um, it, it was just, it was a great match, man. Just, just watch, watching the match and seeing how you can tell, you can tell Khabib been wrestling bears <laughs> his whole <laughs> life. Cause when he got his paws on Gaethje, it was pretty much over. Um, but it, it was, it was very intricate how he attacked that mounted triangle uh, for him to be able to finish the fight like that against Gaethje, an uh, experienced wrestler, says a lot about how great Khabib is. <laughs> I mean, it, it was amazing um, because when you when you think of wrestlers, everything that how he finished them, uh, Gaethje did wrong. Gaethje tried to protect his neck from getting choked and didn't protect the mount position. Once he established that mount position, he was able to kind of throw different techniques at him and attack him at so many different angles so quickly to where he couldn't even think. You could see how jiu-jitsu just kind of superseded wrestling in that situation. And in my mind, man, he, he goes down his uh, goal status, like I said, greatest of all times right now. I, I I agree. I think he goes out on top. I think he was definitely one of the best. I don't know if I, I crowd him greatest of all time. You know, I mean, I, I just yeah. say James Jones, you know, Jones, yeah. man, John you know, Jones, John, Jones, John, Jones, John Jones, the spider, man. I mean, you can't, but and really, that's what he says too, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see. He'll, he'll have to prove it against Adesanya. And I, and I totally agree with that. I am looking forward to that fight. That would be a fight I tuned in for, but let's talk about how the, where this leaves 155 in the sport, right? So, I mean, I think that we see it as four main contenders, right? So it's McGregor, Chandler, uh, the former Beltier champ, the Beltier champ, uh, Poirier, and Ferguson, right? I mean, I think those are the, the four that, that are, are, were the ones deserving of the shot after this fight, right? Yeah, and I, and I think it just it it really just kind of it kind of brings Gaethje right back in the mix, you know, just kind of right. fighting those guys again and just creating that excitement. Um, but yeah, it it'll be great to see see Tony Ferguson coming back in the ring and uh, you know get get a get a win um, and then you know kind of create that type of tournament, you know, bring some excitement to that one fifty. Well, and, and let me ask you this, Markelio. You know, we talk about all the uh, excitement, you know, of, of a guy leaving the sport. He loves the sport. He's dedicated his life to uh, on top, you know, and we just talk about, you know, the top four names. But but when a belt gets vacated, what, what goes into the process of kind of figuring out who, who that next guy is going to be? Because you're obviously not just going to give it to the guy who just lost. So how do you determine... Who's worthy? Who's not? Is it solely based on rankings? Is it, hey, we got to set up specific amounts of fights in this weight class to determine this next crop? How, how does that work when a guy leaves with when he's got the belt? It's, I guess it's um, whoever new is the hottest or whoever has the most prestige. And I guess in this case, we're, we're speaking of Conor McGregor. It's kind of like the rebirth of Conor McGregor in this situation. So it's who does he want to fight? Who does, you know, he wants to line up with? I, I, 
It's the biggest name. So even being, f- of, you know, depending upon where you look, maybe three, four, or five in the rankings, uh, because he has the name, because he has the draw, because he's going to bring in the purse, because he's going to bring in the media, automatically vaults him to number one versus necessarily fighting for that that right to fight for the belt. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, man, 2020, we're in COVID times. We gotta we, <laughs> we gotta make the most efficient decision that we possibly can. So you know, star. Yeah. Get get the biggest star that you possibly can right now. And, and, yeah, and we were just and and you want to talk about you know star. I mean, right now uh, with the way COVID is, you know, we talk about all all of us having to depend on social media. Social media has been blowing up, and over the last two weeks, I, I had just talked to, to you about it before uh, we got the show started, Marquilio uh, Buckley. Uh, I'm blanking on the first name, but gets his foot caught and then turns it into a spinning roundhouse. Uh, he is going to be on this next card. Is he going to be able to surpass the highlights, the hype, the the intrigue of what people are now expecting after a finish like that? I don't know, man. I, I don't know what more you can do. I know we, we talked about this earlier. I mean, what you're going to kick him in the face and do it backwards and land on your feet. <laughs> I mean, you're going to run on the cage instead of just walking one time or you're going to tie law, kick him two times in the chest. And I don't know, man. I don't know what else you can do. Um, I think his name is what, what Joaquin, Joaquin Buckley. Yeah, I, I believe that's correct. I believe that's Joaquin correct. Joaquin Buckley. Correct, yeah. But yeah, man, that was, that was amazing, man. I mean, that just lets you know the, the state of the sport and, and, and how advanced these uh, new athletes are and what they're capable of doing be- right before our eyes, man. We're, we're seeing greatness. <laughs> it's hard to live up to, but I know I'll be sitting there watching it next time. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, a lot of big things happening in the UFC nowadays. Now, before we move on to boxing, and I know, Markelio, that you want to talk a bit about some of the upcoming fights there, I want to do a quick new segment. I know I didn't talk with you guys about it before, but in this particular case, I want to hit it and quit it. All right? Before we, to wrap up our one, to wrap up this topic and take it into the new one, I want to hit it and quit it. We mentioned four names before that we talked about shots at 155, McGregor, Chandler, Poirier, Ferguson. I want to know who you think has got the best shot obtaining the belt at 155 before we move on to boxing, then we'll move on over. Richie, hit it or quit it, baby. Which one of the four do you got? Uh, I think I'm, I, I mean, I think I have to take Gaethy, the guy who just lost it. I mean, there was a reason that he won it the first time. Uh, there was a reason that he was the champion going into the fight. Uh, I, I am, a, M- McGregor, I, I, is the name you initially want to go with because of everything that he's done. Um, but but like Marquilio just said, there's a lot of new blood out there. There's a lot of names that aren't necessarily rolling off the tongue. And to be able to get you know a new face of the division, I think will serve UFC well. And I think he's the guy who's going gonna, gonna to take the belt back. All right, Marquilio, hit it and quit it, baby. Which one do you think? All right, I got I got to go with McGregor just because of I feel like styles make matches and 
the reason why McGregor really looked as bad as he looked because he was going against the Mauler and Khabib. Um, but when you when you fight, you know, um, on when you, when you're boxing with him in UFC and standing toe to toe with him, he man, he's amazing. So um, I I think Gaethje's gonna well, gonna bang. He has a shot. Um, I think Ferguson's gonna, you know, he had Ferguson has everything. He's a wild card, man. But I mean, just to see what Gaethje did to him, um, I gotta go with McGregor. I gotta go with McGregor. And I got and I gotta agree with you, Marhealy. I think it's my I think it's McGregor's title to lose here. Uh, you know, I think we saw what can happen, what McGregor's capable of. We saw his last fight, and that was after he had the revelation of training. Right. He kind of went, you know, I train, but I didn't really train. He's like, I never train, you know, all year round. He's like, I look at guys. He's like, I look at LeBron. LeBron's spending a million dollars a year to train himself, to be that athlete, to be that physical specimen. He went, you know, in his last fight, he went, I wasn't, I hadn't been that guy. I tried to be that guy this time. And look at what happened. I think McGregor's still got a lot left in the tank. I love any reason to drink a glass of whiskey. I'm going to pull out my proper 12. I'm calling it early, and then on my way to early call as we transition over to boxing, I also think that if McGregor ends up fighting Pacquiao, then McGregor might actually win that one. There. I said it. Now let's move on to the Now let's move on to boxing. Wow. Wow. You want to talk about bold statements of 2020? There it is. So there's no sweet science to that. No Sidramas, <laughs> baby. No That's right. I'm just looking that. into my crystal ball here, all right? Hey, I think your crystal ball's cracked, brother. <laughs> so so we'll as see. we talk about sweet science, guys, let's get over here to the conversation of boxing. So we, we're just uh, a couple weeks past where we had the, the Lomachenko and the Tiafimo Lopez uh, fight very interesting fight. A lot of people picked Lomachenko to win, um, but of course Tiafimo came out on top. But one thing that stood out, you know, through that whole card was Edgar Berlanga's first round knockout. His continuance of first round knockouts. Yeah, you know, and and so I, I happened to to see that one. There wasn't much of that card I fought, but I, I did catch that one. And what caught my attention. So he won, uh, it was a minute and 19 seconds, I think. So when you break that, that's 79 seconds. I, If I remember correctly, when he ended up winning after knocking him out, the announcer said that, that his average fight is something in the range of 75 to 80 seconds total. <laughs> and when you talk about those are Mike Tyson numbers right and, there. Well, and, and so well, the impressive thing is, I mean, he's a 23 year old kid. He's 15 and oh, and so you know, so he hasn't yet lost. And you're talking, yeah, and Chris, like you're talking 75, 80 seconds. That is that is scary. Uh, you know, to think he's he's as young as he is, because as you get older with boxing, I mean, you, the experience is going to come. The big matches are going to come. He's going to get all these new uh, experiences. It's a scary thing to think when he really reaches his peak of professional boxing, what, what this young man will be. Yeah. So what you think over there, Chris? Well, I got to tell you, fellas, you know, I mean, 
I think that that guy's got a lot of talent, but I'm kind of focusing on Tank Davis right now, man. You know, and I, I think, you know, I mean, he's coming out here. He wants to prove that he's a he's the pay-per-view guy. Money is talking about, you know, if he puts up a good showing about having him come in and take on the uh, unified lightweight champion Lopez, that would be an excellent fight to match. You know, I, and I mean, and I got to, and I almost hate to say this because I am not the biggest Floyd Mayweather fan. Boxing legend, yes. Goat, yes. Talented, yes. I got, that just means I, I got to school you on Floyd Mayweather. No, man, listen, Chris, I'm Floyd, with you. Boxing wise, I like, I like Floyd the boxer. I don't like Floyd the entertainer I'm with as you. much. I, I'm there with is you on no that, doubt that Floyd is is a in the conversation of best boxer of all time. I put him in that conversation. Respect due. 50 and 0, especially some of his earlier contests. I don't know he was he's exactly fighting top rank talent in the back end here. Uh, but so let, let, let me just let me just let me I'm about to say I've set him off, dude. I'm not even gonna get to it. Hit me with it. <laughs> so so check it out. So I often have this discussion um, just with different people and what I, what makes Floyd so great? So just for example, this Tiafimo Lopez and Lomachenko fight, this was Lomachenko's <laughs> 16th fight. And Floyd Mayweather was 21 when he won his title against uh, Gennaro Hernandez. Gennaro Hernandez was the 130-pound uh, like champion. He was he was 39-0. and 0. He hadn't lost to anyone other than Oscar De La Hoya. And Floyd beat him, and he beat people like Angel Man Freddie. He beat people like Diego Corrales. He beat people like that. He destroyed people like that in his early career, and even in his later career, he still beat people that was in their prime, such as like a Canelo Alvarez. When you look at Canelo Alvarez' age, it's the same age that Lomachenko was that that when he fought. Uh, when he fought Tiafimo, Tiafimo, excuse me, was the same age that Canelo. So that's almost similar to the, the matchup. Lomachenko was supposed to be the Floyd because he was the crafty older boxer against a young bull. And you see what happened when you don't when you when your style isn't impeccable as Floyd's, but you see the result of Floyd when Floyd went against Canelo and dominated in the in those same type of circumstances. Floyd is an amazing boxer. It's just I think people kind of look at maybe some of the old, some of the newer fighters, and, and don't see the same type of domination because he had that kind of outclass and outring generalship certain people because you just can't blast through everyone. It, 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 it's a cliche saying in boxing that you have to you have to box the banger and, and bang the boxer. So you have to learn how to adjust. You have, you can't just beat everybody the same way. It's just not going to happen. But he always found a way to win. No matter if you didn't like it, if it was ugly, you still left that match or left that fight knowing that Floyd still looked better. He looked better. And my argument here isn't with Floyd in the ring. Okay, and that's just, and I want to. I wanna, let me ask I, you I this, wanna, Chris. Chris, let me, I wanna, I'm going to ask it to you like this. If this is kind of where you're going at, because I think I'm understanding what you're saying, it's it's well, almost this like- is actually leading into a conversation Markelio and I, I and I had earlier in the week because I said to both of you an article 
uh, in which Mayweather was quoted in talking about how they need to reduce the number of belts in the sport because the number of splinter belts, the number of ununified belts, is getting out of control. He figured he felt that that was hindering the sport, and I said that to you guys with you know with the subtext of you know I hate to agree with Floyd outside of the ring because I'm generally not on the Floyd business side of the fence, and I mean. You know, I'm broadcasting from my wood-paneled basement, and he's in his marbled palace high above Las Vegas. But, you know, I mean, really, I I couldn't argue with that. He's right. I mean, you know what? But and there's no doubt he's got some talented fighters. The buddy team, those guys have got, you know, his promotion group, they have got some serious guys in his, in his quarter, and I love seeing them fight, and I'd like to see it matter more. You know, it seems like I, because right now, Markelio, the problem for me with boxing, and that's really one of the reasons I haven't been as into it as I had, you know, back in the day when when Mike, uh, you know, and Evander Holyfield and um, the uh, the likes fought, or even Oscar De La Hoya, um, you know, fought regularly, was because, you know, it got impossible to keep track of what belt they were fighting over. I, I want to see championship fights that count as much as anybody else, but can you really, um, if everybody's talking, getting the belt, the value of the right. belt goes down. I'm about to say it, 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 to me, it's like the participation trophy. It's prevalent right? right now. And that's the reason why he was really bringing it up because of, of the situation with, um, with Tiafimo Lopez, with, the, with, uh, Lomo vacating his WC belt. And Devin Haney getting that belt instead of fighting Devin Haney. So what they did was they requested for a, ran- a franchise belt from WBC. And WBC gave them a franchise belt. And that's the belt that they had there. That's the only reason why it made it four titles. And, um, you know, that it's not legitimate. If, if you're, that's the same thing that Canelo did. Canelo vacated his belt instead of fighting Charlo. And went and fought a bigger fighter, and um, you know they 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 just do that. They make business decisions on who they want to fight, it's, no doubt. and they're no not doubt. really unified. Right. But the, the good thing about Tiafimo is Tiafimo want to fight everybody because he's willing to fight Devin Haney right now. He wants to unify the belts, so that's great. Good for boxing. All right, fellas, in our effort to continue trying to keep it uh, to, to keep it short and hit it and quit it, let's hit it and quit it, and then we're going to move out. To the, I know we want to talk about some of the NBA new hires here, but let's hit it and quit it, right? We got Davis, uh, Santa Cruz, covered up. Richie, your predictions. Davis. You get to go for Dave, I'm about to say. Markelio, hit it and quit it. Davis or Sa- Santa-, Santa Cruz? Tank. I'm about to say, and we're going to wrap this portion up with that's right, uh, the trifecta here where all three of us peak Giravante Davis, the tank, going to show it up and solidify some stuff here against Santa Cruz, and hopefully we'll see him uh, going up against Lopez real soon here. With that, folks, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Richie. Richie, I know you had some stuff NBA-wise that you wanted to touch on today. Yeah, there was a, a lot of big news Coming out of the NBA world, despite the season being over, um, a lot of hires. You talk about uh, Tyrone Liu getting the job with the Clippers, Stan Van Gundy getting the job with the Pelicans, uh, Nate Bjorken getting the job with the Pacers, and then uh, Brooklyn, 
or Steve Nash more so announcing that Amari Stoudemire will be on the coaching staff uh, for for the <clears throat> for the Nets there, and then some rumors about when the season's going to start. But Marquilio, I some of these coaching hires, uh, a lot of winning teams who decided to change coaches this year. Any one of these hires, uh, you know, we talked about Doc Rivers as well in the past. Any of these hires really stick out to you now that everybody except for the Thunder has locked in who who they're going forward with? Two, two definitely stick out to me. Um, Tyron Lou, you know, first, first and foremost. I mean, it, it made the most sense. Um, it was it was the the seamless transition that I think we had talked about prior. Um, and assistant head coaches, you know, taking over that that uh, that work, the, the the coach position. You know, they're they're pretty much they have the great a great relationship already established in that locker room, and the players trust them. So Tyrone Lou made sense in that situation. But on the other end, the one that really boggled my mind was Nate. What, what's his name? Uh, Bjorken. Uh, Bjorken. Bjorken. See, I, I don't even know his name. And not that I don't know his name. I, I did a little research and I saw that he was an assistant coach for a Toronto Raptors and he coached at South Dakota. But I think um, when we allure to uh, the, the conversation of inclusion and diversity and the need to make sure that there are more African-American coaches and more African-American in management making decisions, um, this is kind of where they drop the ball, especially when they uh, reference to certain players going over there, such as Chauncey Phillips. And we know how many great assistant coaches there are out there. We we even talk about coaches from our system, whether it be Ham. Whether well, I'm, I'm trying to think. How, do you know how many openings and was there eight openings this year? You know, that seemed like a ton. Because because I mean, Let I me mean, just, I'll see if just, I can find it. Yeah, because I was gonna say because I mean. Uh, I believe it's fifty percent or more of the coaching hires were of uh were of color, and so that's what I mean. So I get what you're saying, where the number across the league needs to continue to grow, but this but this off season, uh, they seemed to start making. It, it was but even just- for that position, not even so much uh, uh, to to take Nate out of that position and to be rebuilding that organization the way that they are. It just kind of, I guess it implies the copycat league mentality that they have. Take somebody from a winning organization and, and right. just kind of run with it. But I, I think this is a situation where they're going to lose the locker room. Um, I think this is a situation where um, it's, it's really 2020 COVID. It's a, it's a, they didn't want to maybe pay a certain coach a certain amount of money with, um, season coming up and everything kind of being a little tighter um that's the only thing that really makes sense to me in that situation so you think indiana made the wrong choice and this is actually going to backfire i mean I, I don't want i i can't you know i don't want to put that type of energy out there but i just feel <laughs> as if um they could have made a better decision um and and at the same time i just feel as if it was more of a fiscal decision um, that was appropriate for the time um, that we're here. I don't think it was the best yeah. decision. Well, and, uh, yeah, and as you talk about a copycat league, I mean, every league is a copycat league. 
they try to do what what whatever the new thing is that people haven't quite figured out is what people want to do. And when you look at Bjorken's history, uh, it's it's basically the same cloth as Nick Nurse. And Nick Nurse being able to do what he's done in Toronto is uh, is going to drive uh, his appeal up. The one that that caught me off guard and, and I'm not a fan of at all is is Stan Van Gundy. I, I didn't understand why. I, they talk about Zion being the perfect fit for what Van Gundy does and what we've known Van Gundy to be as a coach. Put a guy in the middle, surround him with shooters, and hack shots. I, my, this to me, to me, this was this was the perfect spot where you could have got a young guy to go with the young team. Uh, and, and Van Gundy got it done in Orlando with Dwight, but I think as a as his career, Dwight is underrated and not appreciated the way that he should be. And, and but you look at everywhere else he's been, Van Gundy doesn't impress me. And so when you have a young team with a lot of young talent uh, that ended up, they were, they were in, they didn't make the playoffs, but they made it to the bubble. I feel like if you, you were able to bring in new energy, new philosophy, someone who can mold with these young kids, they could have really taken that next step uh, versus someone like Van Gundy. Hey man, I, I'm a Van Gundy fan. I I, I get it. Um, I, I think you know, just kind of the opposite situation as what happened in Toronto. Um, they obviously kind of wanted to just have a name, some type of uh, what they viewed as maybe top heavy like leadership kind of coaching. You know, sure. I mean, well, what he led the A seeded Knicks to the NBA Finals in '99, the Rockets to three pair of playoff appearances and two fifty win seasons. Which which man um, gun did he look at? Which uh, Jeff Van Gundy? The other one. The other one. Oh, no, no. But that's why I always say I'm a Van Gundy fan. I I like both brothers. Um, And I I think that could have been that. That's another person out there. That's where I was getting lost in your argument, fellas. I was like, wait. So speaking of Jeff, Jeff interviewed for the Houston job, ended up not, he, he interviewed to go back to Houston as the head coach. And they ultimately ended up uh, deciding with Steven Silas, uh, who's, who was an assistant with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, another an interesting hire that I think caught people off guard. Uh, just kind of that, you know, Dallas was good, but is you know, I think there was a lot of question there. What Sam Cassell got to do? <laughs> Go in there and slap somebody. <laughs> he about to get uglier on y'all, man. He gonna get <laughs> look. I, Sam, because I I have been I have been I I have been, I, I been, been. <laughs> praying for Cassell to get a job for for a long long time, and I think uh, you know. It's it's long overdue. You talk about somebody who's been out there, been doing it. Cassell, Cassell, for whatever reason, has nobody's pulled the trigger, but but needs to. I I am all in on that. Great leader. My next my next question for you guys is: They are already talking about the NBA restarting. 
This is going to be a quick turnaround from the finals. And some of the things that came out from this last meeting with the commissioner and the Players Association is they are looking at a start date of December, but somewhere between December 22nd and Christmas Day. Uh, there, there's going to be no fans in the stadiums to start the season. And then they're talking about a two-week-off All-Star break or break during the middle of the season. Uh, I personally like the Christmas start date. Uh, I think it, it pushes the season far enough back to where the whole reasoning is, is TV. You don't have to deal with the NFL as much. There's less games. They're heading into the playoffs. You're going to get all the TV you want. But, but Christmas Day, for me, is always spent watching basketball. That's how I spend most of my Christmas Day, either with the game on the background or catching the early ones. What, what do you think about Christmas Day being a start date for, for pro basketball? I think you have a lot more fun Christmas Day than I do. I tend to spend, I got kids, so not that it isn't fun to see my, but I got grown kids, folks. All right, for those of you who are out there under the impression I'm talking about cute little five or six-year-olds, my kids are 20, 17, and 12. All right, and as much as I enjoy seeing the precious little faces light up, the morning, open it up gifts, and yada, 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 it is basically a day I get to spend with my in-laws who will not allow me to watch sports. I'm hoping to change that up a little bit this year because I am kind of, I am, you know what? My in-laws don't listen to this. I am pissed <laughs> off at my in-laws and I don't care what they say. They're going to have to show up at my house Christmas morning. You know what's going to be on the TV? Sports. Hey, man. Right. COVID Sports. is an excuse, man. COVID is an excuse. You can just say we're just doing virtual everything this year. But, but to answer your question, Richie, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I personally don't have a problem with it. As you know, guys, you have converted me into the quasi-baseball fan. I have embraced it more this year than I have in previous years. You know, generally, um, football, baseball, football, baseball, football, baseball. Wait, there's other sports? Football, baseball. All right? But since, the, since the, we founded this with the idea being that we all expand out of our sports comfort zone and embrace new sports, right? Because they weren't playing enough of the sports that we love. It's great that things are back in full blast and we're seeing things uh, that we're seeing, you know, championship baseball, we're seeing championship basketball, football is going on relatively unobstructed. So I think we've got a lot going for us in that. But like I said, so I've started to embrace basketball more here and you know what i'm looking forward to having a little basketball my holiday season it may give me a chance to hint 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 to pick up a bucks jersey all right i don't know who's listening to this my wife my kids you too all right somebody all right i'll take a gift from anybody all right, but I'm down. You know, I'm down for it. I, I I think we'll add something to my holiday day. Anything that gets me out of having to engage in conversations with my in-laws, I'm down for. Markelia, what do you think about it? I mean, I think of you kind of more as the basketball purist in this group. Yeah, man, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. I mean, I don't know what Christmas Day would be without basketball. You know, oh, um, yeah. unfortunately for you, Chris, but unlike you. Um, I pretty much try to stop everything I'm doing if I'm woke because, you know, I got small kids here that, you know, I tend to wake up uh, 6 o'clock, 
six thirty, seven o'clock on Christmas morning. So I might be I might doze off in the first quarter, but it's something I look forward to watching. And Next time um, Christmas Day or where it's at. Yeah, man, and I look it doesn't change this year. I look forward to watching this year. And um, as I said before, man, it's a it's a fiscal decision. They the NBA realized that they need a longer season. They need to get the holiday money because there's going to be no fans in the stands. Well, and here's my question for that. So, does that expedite the need to reside players? Is that going to speed up free agency this year? Are we going to start seeing major free agent signings in the next month? I don't. I, I mean, personally, I don't know what what the usually July first is the 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 day of the new year, so to speak. It's like the first day that free agents can sign. Off the top of my head, I don't know what that date is for this this off season um, with COVID. I don't know how that. I don't know how everything is going to transition in terms of the short off season here. Um, but but you know I. I when it comes to sports like football and basketball, because there is a hard, well, football has the hard cap, basketball has the hard cap, or the soft cap and the hard cap, I, I don't think you're going to see any change in uh, free agent signings solely as much as you will baseball. I think baseball, you'll see money fluctuate more up and down because there is such a, uh, a spending based on revenue for teams, which is why the Yankees continuously can spend the way they do. Uh, with an equal cap across the league in basketball, I don't know that free agents are necessarily going to uh, sign any quicker or any slower than what they normally would. But I do think you might get some names that might shock you signing quicker than what they they might have due to the idea of, well, I think I want that big deal. And, you know, some guys end up having to take that one-year deal. You might see, you know, right. You might you might see a let's. I'm going to use Fred Van Vliet instead of waiting and and trying to drive up his market. He might just take the first deal he gets and say, you know what, this is more than enough for me. This is more than enough for mine. My kids are set. My wife is set. I am good. I'm walking on this deal because this is the best team. Versus saying I'm going to keep talking to everybody and drive my market up. I think you might see that. But in terms of payments and speed i don't think that'll change i'm i'm anxious to see who comes to what what players go to what teams in the next yeah. couple weeks knowing that there's a possibility of the season starting in late december so that's what i'm looking forward to in this and, next and speaking of free agents uh before we we wrap up this nba portion markelio i got a question for you uh I believe it was either the end of last week or earlier this week. Your boy, Mr. Hoodie Version Mello, uh, has said he is going to come back for a team where he is not going to ride the bench, but yet he is going to be a contributor to a winning team again. What what do you see for Mello? Is Mello going to join LeBron and go for the ring, or what? What are we talking here? What are we talking here? Oh my God, man. Lakers would be like the Lakers when they had Carl Malone and, <laughs> and Gary Payton. <laughs> Gary Payton. Skill <laughs> O'Neal. Everybody going there, huh? Chasing the ring. Um, but I guess that's what's come down to, man. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, that, that'll be a good way to end his story off. Of course.
course, with the close relationship that he has with LeBron, it makes perfect sense. I don't see why he wouldn't. Even Chris Paul going there and playing, I, I don't know. Well, not while Rondo. So you're there. saying that Milwaukee's got no chance. Uh, no chance. I, I mean, Chris Paul has Chris Paul has openly said Milwaukee's on his short list. How short that list is, I don't know. But at the end of the day, like Marquilio said, I mean, when when you have the opportunity to play with a guy like a LeBron, somebody that you're really close with, um, that seems to be the way the league is going. Chris Paul is one of my three all-time favorite players ever of my lifetime. I go to Brooklyn, so I, I hope. Well, I so I hope he comes to Milwaukee but Brooklyn make but more sense to me man for who Carmelo well Carmelo's from Baltimore so yeah well, but well, I'm well, still well, saying it I mean yeah he played for the Knicks so it wouldn't be as if he's unfamiliar to New York all right, folks. Well, on that note, we're going to leave you with that for the week, right? We're here. We're just trying to hit it and quit. We're trying to keep it short, keep you engaged, and hit on as many subjects as we can. So thank you again for joining us on this week's Hit It or Quit It with the ES3N. That's right. The Essential Sports Network, hosted by three essential workers. If you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button. Follow us on your favorite platform. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, all those wonderful places. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram.com at, at the ES, the number three N. For our upcoming giveaways, don't forget we got that Robin Yount. Rookie card giveaway coming up next week. Stay Tune in more. There's no pur- purchase necessary. Just got to follow our Instagram account. So make sure to beat the crowd there. Get to it now at the AS3N on Instagram. And thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll see you next week.